There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Grammy-winning singer-songwriter Corinne Bailey Ray performs live at Lincoln Theater in Washington, D.C. on September 6th. She joined me to discuss her journey from her breakthrough hit Put Your Records On to her upcoming album Black Rainbows, which drops on September 15th. Hey, Corinne Bailey Ray. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on WTOP in D.C. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, we're talking because you're coming to Lincoln Theater in D.C. on September 6th. And I know you probably have a ton of special memories of performing in the nation's capital. I think, what, in like 2010, you did Blackbird with Herbie Hancock for that Paul McCartney thing at the freaking White House. You did the Smokey Robinson Gershwin Prize in 2016. I think you even did like some Kennedy Center stuff for like a John Lennon tribute at some point, 2017. But yeah, I mean, let's before we get to this specific concert, like is a DC audience, is there something special about it? Is there a little magic to the nation's capital performing in those hallowed halls like you did? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I absolutely love playing in DC. There's just something about the crowd. DC is often our first show to sell out. You know, I just, I'll get that phone call, like DC sold out. And I'm like, yes, you know, it feels like it's the right direction. I just love that place. You know, I loved like Gil Scott Heron reporting from Washington, DC. You know, I'd see these these um, films as I was growing up. And, you know, it's a really, really magical place. I love that hotel, The Line. That's really cool. And I just, um, I like the parks. I like the fact that so much is going on. And and as you say, you know, getting to play at the White House at the time for the Obama administration with Paul McCartney and all those amazing artists they had in that space or singing for um, Smokey Robinson, you know, that it's, I can't believe it all happened in DC. And DC's got that amazing uh, Ethiopian community as well. So you have the good food and you have the, I always have great, conversations with taxi drivers about uh Lalibella these rock churches and Lalibella which I'm interested in so yeah it's a great mix of people and a fun fun and um and bright town absolutely and this town is going to get to see you again like we said on September 6th at Lincoln Theater um is this going to be mostly stuff from the new album Black Rainbows uh it comes out this fall on September 15th yes this time I'm playing back rainbow stuff. So the last time I came to DC, it was kind of all the songs people know well, and you know, they get to sing along. We all sing along to put your records on and like a star and children sleeping and all those songs. But these are a, a special run of shows where I'm playing just black rainbows, which is this new record I've written in response to this art archive in Chicago. Uh, it's mostly African-American history and, um, and art and, and, and uh, dance and uh, kind of it's kind of cosmic and Afrofuturistic. It's jazzy. It's punky. This record too. I've got some some punk songs on there as well and some indie songs. So it's a real mixture. And I wanted to get in my life a chance to actually play all ten of these songs 
Whereas sometimes if you have a new record, you only get to play a few and then you're just playing um, the more familiar songs. So it's a special tour where we're just playing Black Rainbow's songs. And it's probably the only one I'll ever do with just Black Rainbow. So it's um, it's going to be exciting for me to do. Oh, absolutely. And one of those singles, I think the first single is called New York Transit Queen. Uh, I just listened to it and and watched the video, obviously prepping for this interview. And man, that song really rocks. (laughs) And the video is cool, cool too. You know, waking up at 420 on the alarm clock. I see what you did there. But but, uh, yeah, I mean, just (laughs) tell me about that that song itself. I mean, there's such uh, such great energy to that song. Thanks so much. I wrote it in response to this photograph I saw looking through the pages of an old Ebony magazine in the Arts Bank from 1954. And it was this woman called Audrey Smoltz who'd won a beauty competition. And she was dressed in a bathing suit. She was hanging off the back of a fire engine with fireman's boots on with this cheeky expression. And I just thought she looks like a rebel girl and a hellraiser. And it just came out in that way with this punk energy, a bit like um, how in the 90s they would use these 50s images to kind of make subversive feminist art out of, you know, feminist uh, agi prop stuff. So I loved it, you know, for that. And I and I was in an indie band when I was a teenager. So it was like going back to my roots, playing guitar and bass. And uh, we I worked with a great drummer that I, that I play all my shows with, you know, so he can play jazz and he can really rock out as well. He's great. I love it. Well, you mentioned going back to your your roots, so let's remind our listeners. Let's take it back to your roots. You know, you're born in in England. Um, what what did you listen to to growing up? Um, you know, was it like Hendrix or Zeppelin or you know what I mean? And I guess later Lenny Kravitz. But yeah, I mean, when I was really young, I listened to my parents' records. They liked Stevie Wonder and Simon and Garfunkel, and they liked my dad collected collected funk 45s you know cardboard covers but when I got into music as a teenager myself you know I was really into indie bands you know um, American indie bands like Belly, Vrukasol, Hole, Nirvana and then they sent me I guess backwards to Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and so they were the bands I was into as a teenager and then when I was a little bit older I got more into um, I guess I got more into soul and jazz I started working at this jazz club when I was 18 when I was at university. So I always had this mixture in my record collection of like, um, you know, Miseducation of Lauren Hill sitting next to a, a Jimi Hendrix record, you know, or, or Bjork's first album sitting next to a Jamiroquai album. Like I always had this mixture. And we used to go to a, a great club called Brighton Beach, which would play indie and, and rock. And in the big room and in the small room, it would play like funk and Northern Soul and Motown. So I kind of grew up thinking of these musics as kind of the same thing. And it was only when I started to make music that people say, oh, these, this is really different to that. Oh, that's really different to this. But to me, it all just sounds like music. Right. You didn't have any concept of genres per se when you were growing up. It was just all great music. And I love but it's it's great that you had such a, a varied, you know, variety because that it, it helps inspire, you know, your sound when you're pulling from so many different, you know, backgrounds. Um, well, uh, I know you did like some classical violin and sang in some churches and things like that growing up. But how, how exactly and I'm sure it's a long story you've told a million times, but how exactly do you get signed for that self-titled debut album in, in 2006? Um, I think that was a long road. You know, I had this indie band that I was telling you about and then um, we got offered a deal and the deal fell through because our bass player had a baby. She, You know, she's quite young when she became a parent. And then I was kind of searching. I was carrying on in my band, but I was thinking, I really want something to happen. And 
we had a manager and I, and I was sort of spotted by this guy and he said, I know you're in your band, but I know you write, you know, most of the songs and would you consider getting a publishing deal where you could write more songs and go meet some more people? And so, you know, I'd go down to London on the weekend and work with these different producers. And after a while, I had a whole collection of songs that became my first record. And so I remember going round to record companies, you know, in my like zip up top that I used to wear, you know, I was waitressing on the side and I was selling jewelry at this fancy department store. But, you know, I was always writing my music and we would go to labels and I would sit and play. And sometimes they just wouldn't get it, but but one label EMI really did get it. And then from there, it was, and from there it was fantastic because I already had my record. I think we we made the strings with EMI because they could pay for these amazing string sessions. I remember being in the in Abbey Road and being um, listening to the strings going down for uh, Like a Star and just kind of like crying tears of joy because it was so amazing to to be hearing this music, find, getting the icing on the cake, you know, oh, and yeah. from there on, that you know, that, that was the start for me. Absolutely. And Like a Star was uh, was was a great song. And of course, also Put Your Records On was like the biggest hit off of that, probably. Just real quick, yeah. just I just want to compliment the visual storytelling on it. Like, you know, right from the jump, you can see those Bob Marley style three little birds on your window. The little girls playing double dutch on the concrete, sapphire and faded jeans. There's so much so much imagery that we can you paint a picture with your words. Is that the is that the secret to that that song's success? Or or is it more like you know, the message, you know, hey, put your records on, let your hair down, that kind of thing. I think all those things go together to make that song. You know, when I think of it, I just think of sunshine and I think of what being in my little flat and on my small bed that wasn't quite a double bed and playing my guitar and just coming across this riff you know I'm a self-taught guitarist so I still don't know what those chords are but I know where they are on the guitar and just thinking I really like this I like how they work and then just the bouncy feel of it and and I really love making images with writing you know I love the poetry of being able to to pull things and think of you know think of a song and think how does it taste how does it smell how does it sound how does it look what's the feeling and so I really want to get all those senses into there and and I remember finishing the lyrics on the way into the the last session, the, the writing session, because I knew if I didn't, the two other people I was writing with would say, what about this? What about that? And I really wanted to have arrived and say, right, it's done. And so that I'm always a last minute person. And I finished writing that on the train, I remember. <laughs> on the train. Well, we're glad you did. It's an it's an awesome song. And. Real quick, final Thank thing before so we move up before we move off of that album. Um, tell me about the whole Grammy experience. I mean, you're nominated for Best New Artist, and you had not one but two songs up for Song of the Year, like A Star and Put Your Records On. The latter also up for Record of the Year. So, you know, you're a phenomenon at that point. Just memories of of getting to go to that ceremony and, you know, just being in the company of all these other artists. You, I'm sure you admire your contemporaries and, and legends and things like that. But just that, that must have been just a whirlwind for you where, where now you realize, wow, I'm... I've officially arrived. It, it was a fascinating, it was a whirlwind, like you described. You know, I remember being in England and hearing that the album had gone to number one and I couldn't take it in. And then suddenly we're in Europe, then suddenly we're in America. I remember we were, we had a gig in New York and then we, wanted, we needed to do Oprah the next day and we were flying on a private jet, which, you know, just blew my mind. I'd never done that before. And um, just just being able to meet people, meet people who knew the record, you know, I met Mary J. Blige at the Grammy announcements. And then I came back to my friend, my makeup artist friend, and my, I was just crying. She said, what's happened? 
who said something to you and, she, and I said Mary J Blige liked my album and I you know just couldn't take it in she's like such a hero to me and and then you know getting a phone call from Stevie and him saying can you sing like a star on the foot down the phone to me it's like yes of course Stevie and can you come on the radio show and then you know found out a prince came to one of my shows and all of this just was happening and, and I couldn't believe that uh, that people got to hear the music you know I'd I'd always played live before and I knew the 90 people who liked my band because I would see them every Saturday night, you know, in these one or two or five clubs that I played in. And now to have music that I'd recorded and go around the world and to be in the in the Grammy ceremony, you know, before then I played for Music Cares and I played Aretha Franklin song to Aretha Franklin. She was in the audience and mm. I just thought, that, you know, what a privilege to get to do these things and and to be sort of held in this esteem and to be and to be around all these brilliant artists you know i, I thought it was a really amazing thing so oh. i was very grateful Totally. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. And speaking of the Grammys, um, the the Herbie Hancock thing collab you did, um, River, the Joni letters, the, you know, you sang Joni Mitchell's River. The whole album was a tribute to to another legend. I mean, you mentioned Aretha Franklin, but man, Joni Mitchell, another legend. Um, that won the Grammy for Album of the Year, that album, and you got to do River with Herbie. Just memories of that really fast. That must have been a complete honor. Herbie's a legend too. Herbie's an absolute legend. And I remember playing live at Abbey Road with him for a British television program. And every time we rehearsed it, he would play a completely different intro. And so I was so embarrassed because I would always, I wouldn't know where to come in because I'd think, that's not how you played it in the rehearsal. And then we would do it again. And I think that's not how you played it in the rehearsal. And I realized after three times, he's this jazz genius where it's never the same twice because his ideas are like a stream just coming through. So every time he even just plays the introduction to a song that he's covering, it's just magic and it's different every time. And so I just tried to kind of, I've tried to kind of fit in with him. And he is just kind of a cosmic space jazz warrior. So um, I, it made me sing in a different way. And I always think when you play with people who are total giants, it lets you do things you couldn't have done before. So I feel like I'm just caught in this updraft and I'm just spiraling up and up and I'm singing in ways I couldn't have sung. You know, we played, I've played that song many times with Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock. And I'm always just in this dream world thinking, you know, I, I can't believe I'm here. And I just kind of, I'm riding a wild beast, you know, and, and um, yeah, just trying to hang in there. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, you know, after you're doing those collaborations and meeting all these famous people at Grammys and stuff, then it's time, you know, you buckle down and you, you have to crank out a second studio album, The C in 20, you know what I mean? With I Do It All Again, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, put your records on off the self-titled debut. All that was so such a big hit. Um, did you feel pressure to follow up on the second one or, or are you just sort of in the groove at that point and you can kind of create a freedom at that point? Yeah, I felt more pressure on my third album. I felt less pressure on my, my second record because I had, um, I felt like, oh, 
oh, I just kind of carry on. And I wanted to make it more of a guitar record because I'd done so much soul and pop on that first record. So I wanted to play my guitars. But also I had this, you know, this big loss, which is that my husband died in 2008. So that kind of changed my whole life, really, where I started to almost think of it as a kind of before and after that I had had this very this great success but also in this real carefree innocent sort of young moment and then after that record the sea I felt like I was kind of you know climbing back out of this of this weight and that, and that really that feeling of the weight of grief that really continued in me for a really long time and and shaped me and you know now when I look back at it I feel sort of proud of my survival and feel like there's there's so much grace and beauty and so much strength in in you know coming through coming through a loss like that and you you know you hold the person dearly in your heart forever but I also feel so lucky to still be carrying on in my life still carrying on in music still have been able to meet someone and fall in love and have children and, and all the things I thought when I was a widow at 29 this will never happen for me so so the place I feel now is just so much gratitude at being able to make all these records and and be making a new record and it be something that's driven by passion. So the, the feeling I have now is just gratitude. Now, uh, you know, we're, we're unable to change any of the things about our past. And so I just, I sit in the kind of acceptance of that. Wow. I mean, I don't even know how to respond to that, but yeah, sorry, so sorry for your loss, obviously, but then at the same time, congrats for pulling through it and, finding you know rebuilding your life and like sounds like you're in a, in a good place back creatively making music again so that that's incredible um well anything i say after that we can't top anything that that's heavy i mean i would like to at least follow up on something you said about you know you said that you thought there was pressure on the third album compared to the the second uh the heart speaks and whispers with bend to the moon and the skies will break well actually now that i think about it that came after the love ep too right the, the is this love bob marley thing that yeah, won that won the grammy so yeah i mean I'm, I'm curious why you felt more pressure for the third album the heart speaks and whispers i mean if you just won a grammy for the love ep with the is this love like why why was it so pressured for after that you'd think that you'd be you know in a pretty good place after that yeah i know i think maybe i'm just funny or weird or i don't know what it is maybe i am a punk really i'm sort of a diy musician you know a lot of it is self-taught so maybe i I don't know, have I got nothing to fall back on? Or, or I don't know what it is, but I I felt with that record, I guess a little bit of pressure around with, you know, with the C, I felt like people were saying, oh, this is a record you needed to make, but now it's time to kind of, you know, get into this, get bounce into that same place. And I thought, you know, I can't, you can't go back as a person, you can only go forward. And so I'm really proud that I was able to make a record where I was able to listen to my instinct, you know, it's called The Heart Speaks and Whispers. And it's about listening to your intuition, quieting all the noise around you. And I had a ball making that towards the end because we went to Los Angeles um, with Ron Fair, who was at Capitol at the time. He said, come to L.A. and let the sunshine in. So I was able to work with some of my heroes, you know. So we we had a song where I was able to um, Marcus Miller played bass on or um, James Gadson played drums on a few songs. He played with Bill Withers and... and uh, it was just I worked with King on that record, you know, and I got to hang out with Thundercat and Moses Sumney and everything that was happening in the L.A. scene at that time. It's kind of a almost like a big sister, I guess, you know, being a little bit older than those guys at that point. So it was it was still a brilliant experience to just know that music was kind of taking me around the world on a on a magic carpet. And 
I look back on those times really fondly, you know, hiring an open top car and, and winding round the roads and getting into Capitol Records all day to, you know, every day to just go in and go to work. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you've been more than generous with your time. I mean, there's so many other things that we could talk about, like the scientists from 50 Shades Darker. And uh, there's just so many other projects, but everyone has to, you know, you go explore, discover the music on your own. Corinne, Corinne Bailey Ray's busy and we got to let her run. Um, but I guess b- bring it full circle back to Black Rainbows. We'll end there. You know, Lincoln Theater, D.C. on September 6th. You'll hear the hear all the songs from that album. Um, and um, there's like a book that goes with it, too. Right. Refraction, Reflection on the Arts Bank, which is all inspired by that Stony Island Arts Bank in Chicago that you you were talking about with the album. But yeah, talk, talk about the idea. Let, let's end there. The idea to do an album and, and a book uh, at the same time. Yeah, I wanted it to reflect the fact that it's an art project and it kind of started as a side project and it was really influenced by being around all these contemporary artists and seeing sometimes if you had a, have an idea, it kind of explodes out into different places. So we're doing talks. I just wrote a contemporary dance piece that was on in in Leeds called Seeds Dream, uh, Seeds Dreams Constellations with 35 dancers dancing to to the music from Black Rainbows, which was amazing. We've got this book, which is a photography book with Kota Balofo, this amazing South African photographer who's kind of a fashion photographer who I've always wanted to work with. And um, there's going to be exhibitions. We're doing more videos. You know, this is this is kind of record that is coming out on the 15th of September. We want to keep growing it it's a continued passion of mine the objects and the events in the stony island arts bank in chicago you know there's so much history in there there's so much there's so many stories that have been lost or quietened or erased that that i have um i guess unearthed you know in the in the making of this record and so those people's stories are told on the album and so it's a really different record for me it's not just my thoughts my feelings but it's other people's stories which i've really enjoyed telling Awesome. Well, again, it's called Black Rainbows, the upcoming album. Check it out, everybody. Um, It's going to be arriving on September 15th. Uh, But before that, you can come hear all those songs live with Corinne Bailey Ray at Lincoln Theater in D.C. on September 6th. Yeah, come see them live. uh, And that'll be the perfect primer to then pick up the album on the 15th. So, hey, Corinne Bailey Ray, thank you so much for joining us. This this was a blast. Thank you, Jason. Nice to talk to you. All right. Be well. Bye. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.